0: Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Today, I'm going to cover Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson. This is book 49 from my 2023 reading list, and I read it during December, which is a month where I take a break from the great books. I call it my winter break, and I read through books on my to-be-read pile. So this is one of those books. Well, I'm guessing you either love or hate Elon Musk. He is He's quite the polarizing figure, especially since his acquisition of Twitter. But I want you to try to forget everything you know about the man, for the duration of this episode. You may know a lot about him, uh, but you also may not know very much at all about him, and, and that's that's where I'm coming from. I, I, I entered this book not knowing a whole lot about Musk or the things that he was working on, except at just a very general level. So what I'm gonna share in this episode are, are the things that I learned about Elon Musk, both the good and the bad. This is an important book, and I don't say that often. You, you may have heard it in a few other episodes if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast. But when I say it is an important book, that, that e- it, it, it's either dealing with an important topic, one that we need to be concerned about, or it's dealing with an important person for our time. And this is one of those books. Elon Musk, whether you love or hate him, is having a tremendous impact on the advancements in technology. And these are advancements that are going to impact our lives in one way or another. Um, You may not think space travel will, but he's involved with AI. Uh, He's he's involved with with, uh, connecting computers to brains. There's a lot of things that he has his hands in that are, are going to set the direction of technology for for the foreseeable future. So it's a it's an important book in that sense. And it's one that that I I highly recommend that you read, just to just to see what is going on in a lot of these spaces. I was written by Walter Isaacson. He is a man, who I'm very familiar with, with uh, this reading project. Uh, From 2017 through now, I've read his books on Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, Einstein, and then last year, Jennifer Doudna. Uh, I've also read his books about Steve Jobs and the book called The Innovators. So I love Walter Isaacson. I've been telling people when they ask about this book, I say if he wrote a book about a janitor, I would read it. Uh, He is just such a good storyteller. Uh, and and I, I love how he writes. It's it's always very engaging, and I, I end up learning a lot. So if you've never read anything by by Walter Isaacson, I would actually recommend starting with the book about Einstein. Um, that that one was just fascinating. But uh, this this is another good one as well. So for the writing of this book, Walter Isaacson trailed Elon Musk for two years on the condition that he would have all access. That uh, he he would he would be in on. Every meeting, uh, he, would, he would basically be trailing Elon Musk with, with, with all access. The other conditions were that Elon could not read the book before the release, and he could not request any changes. And to that, uh, Elon Musk said, okay... And so that's what started this this project. And so Walter Isaacson started trailing him well before the purchase of Twitter and uh, some of these some of these other more recent things. and And also he interviewed a lot of people and, and from what I understand, he interviewed a lot of people who are around Elon Musk. He interviewed them first and then and then trailed elon for two years and so i'm sure there were other interviews happening during those two years as well but but he did a lot of uh, work on the front end as well the book is written in 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 very short chapters and there there are a ton of chapters uh but he he said he wrote it that way to give the idea of how fast elon's life moves and so i'm trying to find yeah so like 95 chapters in the book um some of them might be one or two pages, but he he wanted to give that feel that that things are just moving fast. You're you're moving from Tesla to to SpaceX to Twitter, you know, like in three different chapters, boom, 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 and and so it it has that feel, uh, which was which was really cool. He wrote with very little moralizing, so there are a lot of things that. Uh, Elon's a polarizing figure. So th- there are a lot of things where you can be on one side or the other. What Walter Isaacson tried to do in this book is just present the stories. And in fact, he would ask he he would try to get information out of Elon Musk in in the manner of just saying, "Tell me the story about such and such. and And so that's how a lot of the book is, is done. You you can tell some parts where where Walter Isaacson disagrees or is frustrated with something, but but on the whole, he's basically telling you the story and letting you come up with your your own thoughts on it, which I, I really appreciated. That um, one other thing that I that I heard about uh, Walter. Uh, in, in a podcast episode, so, so there's a podcast series that uh, interviewed Walter about the writing of this book, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But but a few other things he said about writing this book is that, especially for like deep information um, about Elon's father and, and childhood and that sort of thing, Walter would have to ask the question up to 10 times, like, tell me the story about your father. And Elon would say, you know, th- these things are under concrete. These these things are deep inside of me. They are not going to just easily come out. And so he would just kind of keep asking these questions. And since he had that all access to Elon, uh, a lot of the times these things would be answered while he was on his plane. That was like one of the few times where Elon wasn't as busy or, you know, Ingrained in something else or walking around a factory floor or something like that. But like he was, he was a little more relaxed and and Walter could could speak to him more. And so he got a lot of these stories while being on on Elon's Musk while he was going back and forth to to different places. Um, uh, Walter also also tells the story that he People would wonder if Elon Musk would kind of hold back. Uh, Elon's known just to, to ream people out, to yell at them. They, they wondered if he would hold that back with Walter Isaacson in the room, and he, he didn't. So the stories you get in the book are, are these, this is kind of how Elon is. And, um, in, in, apparently he didn't hold back at all when when Elon would be in the room. So that that was interesting as well. As for an initial reaction, um the book really broke me out of a, a funk. Uh I think just seeing Elon and and all he's accomplished it it just it kind of sets a fire under you of like wow, I I I think I have a lot going on or I I think I'm busy in and, and not that I want to get to that point of just being crazy busy or anything, but like there, there's a lot more I can do with the time given and whether that just even means being more present with my family or it doesn't necessarily mean like I've got to be more productive or that kind of thing, but just like we have a lot of time uh, and, and, and it really depends on how we utilize that time. It, it just also like on a, a intellectual level or just a knowledge level, it broke me out of a funk of just i it's I, I felt like i've been asleep for the past 10 years like i don't know anything about spacex and my mother-in-law would come in town and she would show videos of these launches uh, uh to my daughters and i'm like what what is this like the the rocket's coming back to earth and landing like what uh to, so they can use that that piece again. Like, what, what is this? What's going on here? And th- so the, this book gets in, into all of that. But I just, like with with electric vehicles, with Neuralink, all these different things, it's like I've heard little bits and pieces, but I didn't really know the full scope of it. Uh, so this, this book really helped kind of break me out of that funk. And, and I feel like I'm caught up in the sense of now if I see a news story or I see something about Tesla or SpaceX, I kind of have at least some Basis of knowledge of of where that came from. So, I I I love this kind of a book. I it it's one where I feel that there's a lot at stake, and like I need to be reading this book at this time right now, and others should be as well. So I've already bought this book for other people. I've been telling people about it. Uh, it's it's interesting to see people's reaction, just because uh, a lot of people do not like Elon Musk, but like but it this. I love this kind of book. I ju- it just gives you that sense of like what I'm really reading is is really important here. As for reading stats, I read this between December 7 and 15. It's a 615 page book. It's called a doorstopper for a reason. It's a huge book. You could you could stop a door with it. Uh, but it goes pretty quickly, especially with those those short chapters. Um, it took me 16 hours and five minutes to read it. That was over nine days, and so that was 68 pages per day. I, I really couldn't put it down. I just I I really, uh, loved it. And, and so 68 pages a day is on the high end for me, but I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So there'll be two more segments in this episode in the next segment, segment two, I'm going to share 10 kind of overarching themes of things that stuck out to me about Elon. And then in the last segment, segment three, I'll cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book, the one thing that I, I am still thinking about. All right, ten things that uh, that really stuck out to me about Elon Musk. I I have these categorized, and I'll try to go through them rather quickly. But some of these—it's just astounding how much is involved here. So let's just start off with his personal life. Item number one here: Uh, his father. He does not speak to his father right now. They had a horrible relationship. His father was just awful to him in 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 a number of ways. Uh, So you you see a lot of the seeds for who elon became you see that in his relationship with his father but also in how he was treated as a child at school like uh he grew up in south africa and he elon would just be regularly beaten up at school uh it it was a violent place a violent time and he he would just get i mean just get knocked about all the time and just horrible horrible uh childhood uh, later on, it, he lost Elon and his first wife. They lost their child named Nevada, and from SIDS, uh, the the infant sudden infant death syndrome, uh, and it just so tragic. And, and And it took Elon a while to to, to grieve, obviously. And uh, but but again, just you know, this is his first child, and um, it and the child dies, and it's just it's just a devastating blow to uh, to this young man. Um since then Elon has had 10 children. I think all of them have been through IVF and they've been with multiple women. Um many of them his wives, but there's also a coworker who got pregnant through IVF with Elon and there's one story where that coworker is in the same hospital as his wife who's also having a child through IVF. And they're at the hospital at the same time, and they don't even know it. And they found out later. And I mean, just, it's like soap opera times ten, and it just a lot of a lot of like craziness in there, and just kind of like this chaotic family life for for Elon with different wives and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, his eldest son has just trans transitioned from being a male to a female uh, as a result. And, and then this, this child would, um, would just blast Elon for having money and having multiple houses, being a billionaire and all this. And so Elon sold all of his homes and kind of like to appease this child. And they still don't have a relationship. They don't speak to one another. So it's just kind of another sad chapter in, in Elon's life life. And one of, one of his wives said, or I think it's actually his mother, uh, Elon's mother says one of his main motivations in life is to not be like his father. And so when you're, when you're seeing Elon behave certain ways on Twitter or that sort of thing, it, it doesn't excuse it, but like you, you, you see a lot of the seeds of that in growing up. Like I don't think anybody could call him a name or diminish him in any way that would be worse than what his father did to him or what kids did to him as a kid. And even buying Twitter, it's 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 almost like he got to b- buy the playground that was when he was a kid. He would just get made fun of and, and beat up. It's like he got to buy that as an as an adult and and control that that land. So just kind of an interesting personal life. Uh, the number two item here for the the ten things that really stuck out is just the sheer number of companies that. Uh, Elon Musk is a part of. And when I say that he is a part of them, I mean, he runs them all. I, I think he is the CEO of of each one of these. So it's not like he started it. And then, you know, it's it's still associated to him in his name. And he just kind of, you know, does this thing over here. And then other people run it. Like he he is deeply involved in each of these companies. And it's almost like it it seems like it's too much, like he, he's doing too much. But the, the companies do well, like, and, and his ideas are things that really move things forward. It's just, it's astonishing. So here are the six companies that he's a part of right now. Tesla, SpaceX, which is also combined with Starlink, which provides internet from space. So Tesla is one, SpaceX slash Starlink is number two, Twitter, now uh, x uh, x.com, and Number three, number four is the boring company, and this is a company that bores holes in the ground, and, and they're trying to do uh, like tunnels and that and that sort of thing uh, with the with these big machines. That's number four. Number five is Le- Neuralink, where uh, he's trying to connect computers to the human brain uh, for the purpose of, of health reasons, and, and uh, as well just to potentially help people who can't see like he he talks and, and even acknowledges that it's like jesus like or something where he's he's trying to to get people who can't see to see through through these things or people who can't use their limbs to to change the neuro neuro links in in the brain to to do these things so that's number 5 and then number 6 is is more recent but x.ai so this is a ai company that he he started and really to to kind of combat Larry Page, and his work in AI. Uh, but then there's other companies that Elon started in the past that he's no longer associated with. So one is PayPal. And that's really uh, where where Elon got a lot of his his start. He Even before that, he started a, a map company that combined a map with business locations. Uh, so that's where he got his initial money and then got into PayPal. Um, and wanted that to become like a social media financial platform where people could pay people and, and all that kind of stuff, and that that didn't really pan out. Um, but that's kind of where he's wanting to go with with Twitter now. So it's it's interesting to to watch those things. And then he also started OpenAI with with Sam Altman, and he he later got out of that. But um, I mean, he's just he's been a part of these major companies, and then he's he's. A part of this, uh, these six companies right now, since I've finished reading this book, Elon Musk has started a school in Texas. So, I mean, as, as if he doesn't have enough going on here, here's one other thing as well. And again, I just need to state that he runs all of these. He's, he's, this is not like, okay, I'm starting it. And then you guys run off, you run off with it. Like he is heavily involved in all six of these companies. It's, it's incredible. And this goes into number three, his work ethic. Uh, he he is I don't he he must like not sleep or he he must just sleep like a few hours each night. And even like Walter Isaacson would talk about him sleeping and just like n- being awake the whole night just thinking. And his wife would would see him at you know wake up at different intervals of the night and just see him sitting on the side of the bed just just thinking. And so I think part of it he's just got so much on his mind. But like he I mean. I I don't know how he hasn't had a heart attack by this point, just the amount he works and the stress he's under and and all that, like it's, it's unbelievable. And so there's the personal aspect of his work ethic, but then there's the, the aspect of how he drives others. And this is where things get kind of disturbing or very disturbing in the book of he'll just kind of manufacture a, a, a problem and then, get people to work insane hours to try to meet a specific deadline. And sometimes these things create like just incredible advances in technology and, and it team building in the sense of like people didn't think they could do it. And and they did. Uh, so there there's benefits to some of this, but like it also traumatizes a lot of people and, and Elon Musk will, will find somebody that, that and just yell at them and just go off like in front of everybody. And this becomes like a, a, an incredibly traumatic experience for the person getting yelled at in front of others. And the very, that very evening or the next day, Elon will not even have a recollection of that encounter. And so, whereas for the person getting yelled at it, it's one of the worst things that's happened in their life for Elon. He doesn't even remember doing it. And it's just it's crazy, uh, so that that all kind of works in with his work ethic. Uh, number three, number four is business intelligence. Uh, it, it it's it's like everything I learned in business school is is wrong. Everything is proven wrong by different. Things in this book, it and it, and it was so funny. Like I, I'd always been told, like the Chinese government, they do things their way. Like you cannot get past that. Uh, if you do business in China, you have to set up a joint venture. Like this, I studied international business, so like you would hear this all the time. Well, for the Tesla plant, Elon got the, the Chinese government to change the law, so he didn't have to do a joint venture in in China with the Tesla plant. So <laughs> there goes that thing. There goes that. Like thing that, that, you know, can never change. Uh, another thing is just, he was, he, he was really like bucking globalization. Like everything was moving towards globalization. You do all of your uh, manufacturing in other countries. And yet a lot of the Tesla manufacturing is done in the United States. A lot of the parts are made in the United States. Uh, so he's, he's almost like bucking that trend to, to have things be created in the United States. Sales. He talks about sales and he says he he does not advertise. Uh, He says, awesome products grow with word of mouth. And then the other thing in terms of business intelligence is just he will come up with a goal. So the goal might be to, to get to Mars. And then he'll find a way to fund that goal. And so he'll set up SpaceX and they will do... These, these missions for the U.S. government, they'll do missions for satellites that need to go up, that kind of thing, to fund this overarching goal to get to Mars. And, and he, it's, it's incredible with the different companies I just mentioned. He, he starts out with this like insane goal but then always finds a way to to fund it. And that was really neat. Let me just share too, as part of this business intelligence section, his algorithm. He apparently states this over and over, and there are five parts to this algorithm, and he speaks about them often. They came up all the time in the book, and so I'll I'll state them, and then if there's an example, I'll I'll give an example. So the first part of this five-part algorithm is question every, every requirement. And so, especially with SpaceX, there'd be a lot of things that well, this is a law or this is a this is a rule, and he would say, "Who made the law? Who made the rule?" and and he would want them to tell them the name of the person in charge of each requirement. And if they couldn't do that, they needed to find that person, and then they, they needed to find out why that requirement was in place. If it was a dumb requirement, he would just uh, disregard it. And uh, it, it was it was amazing, but just that aspect of like having a person in charge of each component. So not just on the requirement side, but also on the on the production side, um, design, all that. There's a person in charge of each component. So if there's a problem, you can go to a person. It's not just like, well, this is the way things are done. But no, you can go to, to Bob over here and, and talk to Bob about that component. Number two of the algorithm, delete any part of the process that you can. His mentality was that you would strip back. So like if he's walking around the the floor of the manufacturing facility, he would just strip back and strip back. Like, do we need to have this bolt here? Do we need to to make this this way? And then he said, you would, you haven't gone far enough unless you need to add 10% of those things back. So there's this one scene in the book where they're going through the factory and they're, they've got orange spray paint and they're spray painting an x on all of the machines that they they don't think they need anymore and they ended up you know having to put 10 percent of these back or something but that's his goal like he just wants to strip the process down to for speed for cost and then strip it back so far that you actually have to add some things back Number three of this algorithm is simplify and optimize. So kind of along with that stripping back, just you want to c- continue to simplify things and optimize. Number four, accelerate the cycle time. So each part of the process of production, of design, can we, can we strip some of that back to to, to where we strip back some of the time involved. Number five, automate. And his big point here is that automation should be the final part of the algorithm, not the first part. You don't automate first and then have everything else trickle. You, you, you figure out the process first and then automate only the parts that need to be automated. Uh, he put big emphasis on building the machine, that builds the machine. So in this case, it would be the factory. He'd put a lot of thought into the factory that would make the Tesla cars, the factory that would make the SpaceX rockets. Uh, These are all components of it. And, And this is one area that Walter Isaacson identified where Elon Musk was was a lot very different than Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs was very concerned about the product itself, the inside of it even, uh, parts that people would never see. But Steve Jobs never was as involved in the manufacturing side of it. Like he wasn't going to factories and, and going through each part like Elon Musk does. So that that's one area where Elon Musk will go into these factories and not only be on the design side of the product and and all that, but then also in the factory as well. So again, that was all part of number four, the uh, business intelligence. Uh, So now number five is off-the-cuff choices. This this is one thing. I mean, this almost became my one thing for, for this book, but just the sheer number of decisions Elon would make in like just a split second, like walking around the factory floor and he sees something, he's like, What if we did this? And it ends up changing technology. Like it ends up changing the way things are done or how things are viewed for other industries, other companies, and and these advances are so important that they end up reshaping an entire industry. And it's just kind of an off-the-cuff choice that he makes in in the moment. But there is example after example of him doing this, and a lot of it was from this this thing of, of simplification from the algorithm, number three, simplify and optimize as part of that algorithm. He, uh, there's one part where he's, he's got a toy car in his hand, and the the, the bottom part of the car, the, the chassis, is one piece. So it's like, you know, the car fits in your hand. And he, he shows this to his designers, and he says, why can't we do this? And they said, well, there's not even a machine that would be big enough to make a chassis that big. And so he said, we'll go find one. And they find one that can make it to where they can do it in two parts. And then now in the Tesla factory, they have a machine that can create a uh, chassis in, in one part. And so this, this is what goes on, on Tesla's now, other car manufacturers have 90 parts that make up that chassis. And there's somebody's you know he has got to put in the bolts and, you know, they just think of all the room for air there is and 90 pieces having to come together. He, 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 Based on a toy design said, let's do it in one. Now they do it in one. And it's just like a revolutionary thing on the car. It changes how things are tied together in the car. And like, it's just, it's one of those things that it changed everything. And it was based off him looking at a toy and asking, why can't we do that? Another example of, of one of these off-the-cuff choices is just he knows that if if you're gonna his goal is to get to Mars and, and have a colony up there and and if if you have that, you can't just have the rockets that go up and, and blow up in space uh and then and then you can't use them. You you would have to have reusable rockets. Otherwise it just would not you couldn't do it cost-wise. And so that's a requirement to get to Mars is these reusable rockets. And now when you see SpaceX rockets go up, the components, um, many of them will come back down and they will land on feet, the, these feet that come out and land, and then they will be able to, to reuse that. So again, a lot of these were just kind of off-the-cuff choices, just amazing, just incredible how many there were. So that was number five. Number six of, of 10 things that that really blew me away in this book is the neural networks of cars. So with self-driving cars, Uh, uh, what a lot of companies are trying to do is is to code the what what a car would do so you write in code and and code is made of zeros and ones it's it's made of if then statements. so if the car is moving and there is a uh moving object in front of the car the car should stop so if if this then that Uh, and it's just kind of all these different things and and so there's a lot of concern about the the morality of uh, and the ethics of these things. So somebody writing this algorithm is determining if the car will hit a group of three people or a group of two people. And these things all have to be built in, into the algorithm. Um, and, and, and it's going to follow one of those rules. But what Elon Musk has done, he's, his current Teslas have multiple video cameras on them. And so these Teslas are going around and just gathering intelligence in the form of these video feeds. And so they will watch or they'll capture all these video feeds. And if the car is in an accident, they'll see what the driver did, uh, what move the driver took, and then they will find the best solutions, the best ways that actual drivers responded to actual situations and then program that into how the car works and so with tesla it's a continual intelligence gathering from these video feeds and he said this is how humans do it we learn by observation and so he said i want the car to work in that manner i don't want it to work just strictly on code where you can't break the 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 coat, you can't break these if then statements, uh, with this neural network, you can break these if then statements into where, where someone has, has responded in an appropriate way. And that is just amazing. Um, but it, but it opens up the ability for the car to break these rules in the, in the, in the event of an emergency. And it's just, again, one of these just amazing ideas, but based off, Elon asking himself, how do we learn? And we learn from observation. Can we have the car do the same thing? And then this just gives insight into his purchase of Twitter. Twitter is a, it's it's a intelligence gathering platform. So he's able to, to take this information and, and use it in different ways. It's like the most real time intelligence gathering platform there is out there. That was number six, neural the neural networks of cars. No, number seven, multiplanetary species. This is a big idea for Elon. He wants our human, he wants the human race to be on multiple planets. And this is based upon a, a deep fear that he has that we are about to be destroyed or destroy ourselves. And this could either happen through AI, through through wars, through through atomic bombs, whatever, but he has this deep fear that we don't have a lot of time remaining on Earth, and so if our species is to survive, we need to become multiplanetary. And so this is just one of the buzzwords that Elon always says. Uh, if if you're watching interviews with him or, or that kind of thing, you'll probably hear this term. I I wrote it down and made a note of it just because he, he it would come up a lot. But it, it is based off this like he he really has this fear that that humans are not going to be able to be around much longer on on earth. Uh, he lost his friendship with Larry Page just because Larry Page does not have that same uh, fear of AI. And, and Elon Musk even started his own AI company to combat uh, the work that Larry Page does with his AI. So very, very interesting, but again, multiplanetary species. Number eight, Disturbing. This is. I, I'm just titling titling this this area disturbing. And these are things that disturbed me when I read them in this book. So the first is Starlink. So the Starlink is that um, that internet being provided by Space, and and I'm sure you're aware that uh, Elon made that possible in Ukraine uh, during during this war. But some things I didn't know is that when when the Ukraine army was going near Crimea. Elon Musk turned off the internet near Crimea so that the army could not communicate with each other. Let me state that again. Elon Musk turned off the internet for the Ukrainian army. He had provided the internet uh, at a cost to the company of like 80 million. Uh, he like Their cost, the government did not reimburse them for that part of it. I I understand that later it was turned over to the US government. But uh, the initial part, this is Elon Musk doing this. And this is Elon Musk turning off the internet so that they would not attack Crimea, and perhaps escalate the war. This is a private citizen making an enormous decision like that, that really should not be in the place of a of a private citizen and so again elon did turn that over to the u.s government the u.s government now controls what parts have internet and all that kind of thing um but it it, it's it's really astonishing when you take a step back and look at it that the ability to communicate in ukraine is being provided by elon musk and his company starlink through spacex in that as him as a private citizen not in in the government that that disturbed me. Second thing is is Twitter. Uh, So I didn't know a lot of this. But when he bought Twitter, uh, I I saw the things come out of the what they were calling the Twitter files. And so these were like the the internal discussions that that um, that Twitter staff were having about whether to block people or remove the reach of of certain tweets. Um, And these would be from political people or, or different people, like, where do you draw the line on free speech? And so it it, it kind of opened up these discussions. And it was, it was presented as as disturbing in the sense that you've got these people making these decisions on on what political leaders have access to to Twitter and that that sort of thing. And while that's being shared, you kind of have this idea that Elon Musk is on the side of opening everything up so that we can see kind of behind the curtain. And yet what, what we discover in this book is while he's, while these Twitter files are being released, he's engaging in the same exact things that the, that are being uh, put out in, in these Twitter files Uh, in terms of blocking people, um, that sort of thing. And, And it, it really came to a head when people started sharing Elon Musk's plane location and and different personal things and and so he said we've got to we've got to cut them off and that but then it went further and we need to cut anyone off who linked to that even though he had taken that account down and they couldn't see that so people linking to that were journalists so he ended up taking down journalists accounts that were linking to this this profile and again uh, this is something I found very disturbing but it was it was really interesting because. Elon Musk would talk about these macro ideas of like, we got to keep democracy alive. And Twitter's the the main place to to do this. And look at all these, you know, kind of bad actors that were part of Twitter before. But then so that's the macro level. But then on the micro level, he, he was starting to do the same things. And I, I just found that rather disturbing the the another uh, a couple other things here about uh, just under the disturbing area is the optimus robot so he's he's building these robots and you, you've probably seen the one was just there's a video of one like a uh, a couple weeks ago and these th- i mean they're they're so real they, they look so real uh their movements and all that and again i just kind of have flashbacks to terminator and and uh rightly or wrongly but um but yeah these these robots give me give me concern. And then the last thing is the neuralink where they're linking computers to brains and and yes there is the chance for blind people to see and, and people to use limbs that they haven't been able to use, but there's a very scary side to all of this as well. Uh so that file all that under the disturbing parts of the book. All right, I got two more two more things here. I know this has been long, but uh just two more things here that really stuck out. And I'm just calling this one Twitter. Uh, It, like I mentioned before, when I was talking about PayPal, he had this goal with PayPal uh, to, to have like a social media company that was connected to finances. So people could pay other people. So let's say you're, you're on a magazine online and you're reading an article, and you're like, "That was a really good article." I want to give this guy a, a micropayment. I want to give this guy fifty cents. Um, you could you could send fifty cents really easily uh, if if through what Elon was hoping to do with PayPal and there, there'd be minimal fees and all that kind of thing. And 50 cents isn't a lot, but if there are, you know, a thousand people that do that, uh, 10,000, a hundred thousand people who do that for a particular article, then you start seeing how journalism could be funded in in a different manner. But that never, uh, the other people involved with PayPal didn't want to do that. So now Elon Musk has Twitter and that it's kind of, he's going back to this goal that he had However many years ago with PayPal. And so that that's where uh, it's it's just important to keep that in mind, because that's, that's where Elon w- wants Twitter to head and, and he calls it x now. And, and that's what he wanted to call PayPal is x.com as well. And so even getting the blue check, you've got to give your credit card. Uh, that, that's kind of part of the the plan is is for everybody to connect a credit card so that there there can be these payments that happen happen through Twitter. So that's that's kind of more of a a master plan perhaps with with Twitter. Um, and, and so we're hearing a lot about other parts of Twitter at the moment, but um, it, it was neat just to kind of see like, hey, this is probably where Elon's wanting to go with with this. And then uh, the 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 data implications as well of just kind of the real time news source or, or data source for, for, the, for the world. Last thing here is, is a part I just want to read, and this comes at the very end of the book. And this is a quote from Elon. He says, This is how civilizations decline. They quit taking risks. And when they quit taking risks, their arteries harden. Every year there are more referees and fewer doers. When you've had success for too long, you lose the desire to take risks, end quote. So I, I I liked that quote, um, and I liked how he he spoke about it on two fronts. One is on the civil civilization level, just this is how civilizations decline. But he tied it to the personal level, like we we desire we we lose the desire to take risks, uh, our arteries harden. Uh, he's talking about that at, at a societal level, but like we can apply that to a, a human level as well. So in our own lives, we can see how uh, it, we could decline when we're not. Taking risks, uh, and but how civilizations can as well, and and you look at Elon Musk, and you look at just take our space program and how that was in decline. We hadn't done missions for a while. We hadn't been to the moon since the '60s, and here comes a guy who who is wanting to go to Mars, and has reinvigorated the space program. NASA now is is very closely connected to SpaceX. And so you've got you've got this guy kind of going the opposite direction from decline and pushing forward on electric vehicles, all these different things. And he, he like he's doing it. This is gonna tie in very well with my one thing I share in the next segment, but just I loved that quote. This is how civilizations decline, they quit taking risks. All right prepare yourselves. Here is my one thing in the next segment. All right. How do you judge a man like Elon Musk? I mean, do you just, do you just look at the output of what he's done and that be how you judge him? I mean, these are incredible things that he has done and he's really just getting started. When I, when I was thinking about this question, what came to my mind is the Robert Caro series about Lyndon B. Johnson. And the way that Caro presented LBJ was, he presented him in a number of different ways, but but one of the big ones, especially in book two, was this idea of means versus ends. So the ends that LBJ made, the, the things that LBJ did in his life, were they worth the means? And did the means corrupt the end uh, how how do we judge these things? So you've got like LBJ was Lyndon B Johnson was integral in civil rights. Would these things have happened if LBJ hadn't have been there? And the thing I took away from that reading that series is that the while there were a lot of things moving against that direction, the the direction as a whole was moving that way. And it was a painful thing. It was a painful struggle, but. The the country was was moving in the direction of civil rights and and LBJ kind of moved it along but it, it there was almost this aspect of it was it was inevitable it, w- it was going it was going to happen and that's obviously can be debated but that that was one thing I took away from that and so LBJ was at the right place at the right time but someone else would have would have done what he did at some some point. He was able to ram it through earlier, all, all these kind of things based on, on who he was, but it kind of just brings back that question, do you put up with a man like LBJ to get these kind of kinds of ends? And whereas I, I think that probably would have happened anyway, I don't think that's the case when I look at Elon Musk in the sense of, the country was moving in a different direction elon musk has shifted things just not even on the countryside but but on the technology side in in a direction that it was not moving and so i don't think there's another person that would have had elon musk not been born or there were a couple of close situations he had in his life where he almost died had he died I, I don't think there would have been someone else that was just, you know, waiting to fill in those, those shoes. Like Elon Musk is such a rare aberration that I, I don't think you have these, I don't think you have SpaceX were it not for Elon Musk. I realize that there are other people like Jeff Bezos doing this kind of thing, but Elon Musk is, just, he's on a different level. Look, take electronic vehicles. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of companies that have that have been trying to do this. GM just stopped production on the the car that they've been doing, uh, the electric vehicle that they've been doing. This is not a everything's moving in this direction, perhaps, but but big companies are having trouble with this. And Elon Musk, Tesla is one of one of the most profitable companies now. So it, it it's like you don't have Elon Musk, you don't have a lot of these things happening, perhaps the eventual direction. But like, this is such a shift. And the things he's doing are so mind blowing that I don't get the same sense that I did with LBJ. And and it just but it but it does bring that question of, of means versus ends are or, or the the means that Elon Musk takes to get there the the reaming out of people the the <laughs> insane work ethic, all that kind of thing. Is it worth it to get the results that our are, are part of the output that is is from Elon and uh, and Walter Isaacson addresses this head on at the the very end of the book so I want to read it's a couple of paragraphs here but I, I think this is just this is just brilliant and it, and it really helped me to to think through these things more here, here we go do the audaciousness and hubris that drive him to attempt epic feats excuse his bad behavior or callousness or recklessness the times he's an a-hole the answer is no of course not One can admire a person's good traits and decry the bad ones, but it's also important to understand how the strands are woven together, sometimes tightly. It can be hard to remove the dark ones without unraveling the whole cloth. As Shakespeare teaches us, all heroes have flaws, some tragic, some conquered, and those we cast as villains can be complex. Even the best people, he wrote, are molded out of faults. I'm skipping ahead to the second paragraph. It was a pleasing concept, an impulse control button that could diffuse Musk's tweets as well as all of his dark impulsive actions and demon mode eruptions that leave rubble in his wake. But would a restrained Musk accomplish as much as a Musk unbound? Is being unfiltered and untethered integral to who he is? Could you get the rockets to orbit or the transition to electric vehicles without accepting all aspects of him, hinged and unhinged? Sometimes great innovators are risk-seeking man-children who resist potty training. They can be reckless, cringeworthy, sometimes even toxic. They can also be crazy. Crazy enough to think that they can change the world. And I'll leave you with that on, on Elon Musk. But that's my one thing is just that this, this was, I don't, I don't think the things that he is doing would have been inevitable. At least not in this time. This this is something this is something different. And as part of that, there are some good things and there are a lot of bad things along with that. And as Walter Isaacson said, it's part of the package. So how, how do you deal with that? How do you how do how do you make sense of, of that? Well, to recap here. This is an important book. I, I hope you do read it. I, I learned a lot and it just helped in kind of understanding where things are moving on the technological side of things. Uh, just getting insight into Elon with his hand in, in so many different, different things. If, if you do uh, read the book, please forget what you know, For, forget what you have heard about Elon. Uh, it, it helps to just go in and, and see what you can learn about what he has done and his life story in that so- sort of thing. And, and remember that thing that Walter Isaacson said, where he would just go up to him and say, tell me the story about, I, I love that. I, I, I think that's just a, a good way to to, to to talk to people as well. Like um, people you know well, or, or people maybe you, you want to talk to your family members of just tell me the story about such and such. It's a, it's a really great way to phrase a question. I want to put in a plug here real quick for my company. I'm a, a website developer. By trade, I do online consulting for for different organizations, and that is how I fund Books of Titans. I don't advertise for uh, anything on on this podcast. I don't ask for money, but uh, the way that that this is all funded is by my my other company, EPR Creations. And so I just wanted to to tell you a little bit about it. If you go to the Books of Titans website, that is a website that that I've done. And so that's a good example of, of, of one of my sites. But I work with universities, small businesses, and health organizations and assist them on their online presence. So if you yourself or someone or some entity that you know is in need of a website, or search engine optimization, or online presence consulting. Please keep me in mind. That work is what funds this reading project, and so that's the best way that you can support this podcast. Uh, please note that I, I don't do basic websites. So, like, if if your your nephew needs a website for his uh lemon online lemonade stand uh, I'm not the guy but I do complex websites. I I do I work with with companies that need an overhaul on their online presence and I work with with complex websites. I, I thrive in those circumstances. So if anyone comes to mind any any company or or even your own company uh please please keep me in mind for that. You can email me at Eric E R I K at booksofTitans.com. I will link to my website EPR Creations in the show notes as well. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you, especially if you've read about Elon Musk, if you've read this book, or if you've read other things about Elon Musk, if you disagreed with me about something, or if you agreed, I would love to hear it all. You can email me at eric at I will link in the show notes as well to Landmark Booksellers, where I am business manager, and you can get this book from from us. We ship all over the United States. We we ship all over the world as well. If you use the coupon code Books of Titans, that will give you 10% off the book. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter, and you can sign up for the newsletter on the Books of Titans website. I send out one a a month just kind of sharing what I've been learning, what I've been reading, and and that sort of thing. I'll be back in a week or two to discuss another book or series from my 2023 reading list. And I also have another episode coming up where I will... uh, set all of the books that I read for 2023 on my desk, I will pick them up in order and share the one thing that I remember from each book. This is my final exam for the year. I, I try to think of this project as a as a university type of, of setting where I have semesters and, and breaks, uh, but then also this final exam. And that's, that's the big final exam. And so it's a test for me, but it's also a really good opportunity for you to learn about a, a number of different books. And ones that perhaps you may want to add to your 2024 reading list. Also check out my website for reading resources, a link at the very top. There you can download a spreadsheet, and it, that's the spreadsheet I use to keep track of my books. I find it very helpful because there, there's there are all sorts of equations built in. So once you start listing the books that you want to read and the number of pages, it will tell you how many pages you need to read per day to get through all those books in one year. I find that to be a very helpful tool. Well, until next episode, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.